Hi, everyone. Welcome to Forbes Talks. I'm Diane Brady. I'm here with Dan Alexander, my colleague, tracking, of course, money and politics. Dan, welcome. Um, we're talking about Trump, the gift that keeps on giving. What have you discovered about uh, his time in office? Well, the latest thing that we found out is that Donald Trump, both while he was running for president in 2016, and then for a handful of months after he took office, had a secret debt uh, to a foreign creditor, uh, Daewoo, who's a Korean conglomerate. Um, they had partnered with him on some buildings in the past and uh, maintained that partnership through this lending agreement that nobody knew about. And the really interesting thing here is that he managed to keep this loan secret for so long. Uh, it's not a huge amount of money. It was about $20 million. But, you know, the idea is that when somebody becomes president, we get full disclosure of what their assets are and what their liabilities are so that then the American public can know, you know, what potential conflicts there are. Obviously, from the things that we did know about Donald Trump, there was a litany of potential conflicts. I mean, hundreds of, of potential conflicts. But what's amazing is that he could have maintained this debt both while running and after being in office without ever disclosing it. Just the thought of, of a president with a secret loan to a foreign creditor is something that I don't think that most people would have imagined uh, even before Donald Trump, but, but also after Donald Trump, so, that that could have been possible. So he, so I take it this, that it was illegal for him to not disclose this. Is that correct? According to the current laws um, that, that he, this should have been standard operating procedure that, that this loan from uh, uh, Daewoo to him would have been something made public while he was in office? Well, the interesting thing is that, of course, these disclosure laws aren't made for somebody like Donald Trump. And one thing about his presidency is that it exposed a lot of weaknesses in the current ethics regime. So the way that the laws are currently set up is that you have to disclose any personal loans that you have but you don't necessarily have to disclose loans that your companies have, even if you own 100% of those companies like Donald Trump yeah. did in this case. If he were personally guaranteeing the loan, then he would have to, by law, disclose it. But we don't know in this case whether or not he personally guaranteed that loan. So the question here is, did he break the financial disclosure laws or did he merely exploit a loophole and get away with it? So how did you discover this? Did it come up through discovery in some of the current you know, lawsuits we're seeing or just um, curious how it came across your radar? Yeah. So, you know, one of the many lawsuits that Donald Trump is currently facing is one alleging that he lied about his assets for years, lied about his net worth to lenders and insurers. As part of that lawsuit, which was filed by the New York Attorney General, they released both something called statements of financial condition, which are something sort of like a personal balance sheet for Donald Trump. Those don't actually uh, explain this loan explicitly, but they also released the underlying documentation that supports those documents. And those were documents that nobody had ever seen publicly before. And there's a pile of them, I mean, hundreds of pages of new financial information just dumped uh, on the public when this lawsuit was filed. And so if you look through those closely enough, you can start to pick up interesting tidbits, like the fact that Donald Trump had a secret loan while he was in office. 
So can you put this in the context of some of the other stuff? Because I remember when he had Deutsche Bank, for example, and, and you know, how many different uh, foreign lenders have we seen? Either, I guess it's all to his company in essence, right? Since uh, that's the vehicle through which a lot of this stuff happens. Is this uh, one of many? Is this particularly troubling more than some of the others? It is certainly one of many. Uh, Deutsche Bank for a long time was his largest lender. Uh, there's a bank called Hypo Bank that did business with him uh, out in Las Vegas. Uh, one of his buildings, 1290 Avenue in the Americas, at one point borrowed money from the Bank of China. So he's had a lot of relationships with foreign lenders. What makes this one different is that it was secret. We knew what his Deutsche Bank loans were. We knew that he borrowed money from another German bank in Las Vegas. We knew that the Chinese bank had at one point lent money against 1290 Avenue in the Americas. They then got out of it before he became yeah. president. So we knew about those relationships. What's different here is not necessarily the size of the loan. It's not that big, $20 million. She's sitting on right now about $1.3 billion of debt. So this is not one that's going to swamp his portfolio by any means, but just the fact that nobody knew that he had it and that it remain secret for so long is what is unique about it. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned he's sitting on $1.3 billion of debt. Give us some picture as to Donald Trump's financial health right now, because we're getting the clarity that we didn't necessarily have while he was in office. But, um, you know, there's still a, a lot of deals that were forged while he was in office. Is he wealthier um, than he was a year ago? Less, you know, wealthy? I, it's always hard to tell. Yeah, so basically the general story of Donald Trump's net worth uh, since he entered politics is that politics was very damaging for him. This is a guy who owned hotels, who had licensing businesses. All of a sudden, companies didn't want to be associated with that brand. Uh, it's not a good business move to turn off potentially 50% of your hotel customers. So his hotels really struggled uh, and his licensing business really floundered. His other properties also not because necessarily he was president, but just because they were in the wrong markets didn't do so well. So this is a guy who has a lot of interest in office real estate in New York City at the time that the pandemic came through, not a business that you want to be in. Uh, so he, he really uh, wasn't doing very well at all from a business perspective. And definitely the presidency had harmed his business. Now, the interesting thing here is that after January 6th, when he gets banned from Twitter, uh, you know, then he goes and finds a way to create his own social media company. And that social media company is, you know, a very uh, uh, difficult thing to value. But if you just go by the numbers that, you know, institutional investors, not the retail investors that are pouring, you know, crazy amounts of money into it, but the institutional investors who are making much safer bets on it, if you just look at how much they're putting into it and you look at his the size of his state, which is over 80% of the company, you know, that now is his largest asset in his entire portfolio, worth more than $700 million. So right now his his net worth is about 3.2 billion. So that $1.3 billion of debt is already been subtracted out of that. Okay. So he has more than $4 billion of assets. And the other big thing that's changed is that since leaving office. He's renegotiated a lot of his loans. He's paid off a handful of them. And he's also found new lenders for others. Uh, Deutsche Bank decided that they didn't want to 
continue their relationship with him to the extent that they had in the past. But he's been able to find other lenders, most importantly, a bank called Axos Bank, which is based out of San Diego, to offer him big loans. They lent him $100 million on Trump Tower, $125 million against Doral. He sold his heavily indebted money-losing hotel in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And now his financial picture is much more secure than it ever was when he was in office because he's basically managed to kick the can down the road with a lot of these loans, create this new social media company, which who knows what's going to become of it, but it could make him a lot of money. And his meanwhile, his other assets, the you know office buildings and sort of traditional brick and mortar real estate that he owns has managed to come out and survive. It's not thriving, but it's still there and still makes a lot of money for him. You know, I I have to say when you talk about um, kicking cans down the road, he is the master of delay in many ways. We certainly have seen that with some of the um, transparency you're talking about, whether around taxes or, or, you know, his day in court. Is that, is that, Emble, does that play out to some extent when you look at his financial picture or just this this ability really to kind of keep things going as as either a serial borrower or somebody who always tries to t- stay two steps ahead of whoever um, either wants their money back or, or wants some clarity on what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I think one of the most illustrative stories to show how Donald Trump does this is if you go back to his days in Atlantic City, uh, back in the mid '90s, you know he owned a publicly traded company, or he owned 25% of a publicly traded company uh, called Trump Hotels and Casino Resorts. But he, he also owned a private casino in Atlantic City that he held 100% of, and he used the publicly traded company to buy the private casino. And according to one analyst, he overpaid by about $100 million. So in essence, he was allegedly sort of robbing $75 million from the other shareholders in his publicly traded company. No surprise, lawsuits happened. And Trump, who needed that money at the time, this is when he's in a real cash crunch struggling in Atlantic City, got to hang on to the money, delay this process in the courts, They ultimately settled in 2001. And as part of the settlement, you know, he had to agree to some internal controls. He had to give away part of, you know, his Miss Universe competition, minor stuff for him. But the bigger thing is that in those intervening, you know, six years, his New York City real estate empire had come back while his Atlantic City problems were beginning to fade. And so his overall business was in a much stronger, much more liquid position. And so now when he had to make the settlement, it's like, whatever, no big deal. And it was just by getting that delay that he was you know, able to do that. And I think that if you look at Trump, both as a business figure and as a political figure, he's clearly somebody who's learned how to use the courts to kick the can down the road, buy himself extra time. And that extra time in business means that you can pay back your creditors. And in politics, it means that people might forget about controversies and you can make a comeback, which obviously he's trying to do right now. Now, I, I don't want to get you into speculative territory, but uh, if, you know, since he has declared that he is going to run again, knowing sort of where the laws are today and some of the restrictions that he may face and the impact that the last stint in the White House had, 
Um, what would the financial impact likely be? And, um, you know, again, maybe something like Daewoo, could that happen again? Let's start with just the financial implications of another run and potentially another victory. So if you start with, you know, is there a possibility that he could have secret loans again? Yes. Uh, he's proven that he had that in the past, not just with Daewoo, but he also had a secret loan with Michael Cohen, who paid off Stormy Daniels, who alleged that Trump had an affair with her. And Trump ended up getting caught on that because he owed Michael Cohen the money that he had paid to Stormy Daniels. Anyways, and that loophole but, remains open, basically. That loophole remains open, both in that example and in others. So certainly. The difference now is that Trump has sort of reworked his business in a way that not only is it a little bit more insulated from politics now, so he sold off his hotel in Washington, D.C. That's a big deal because that really was sort of an anchor around his neck uh, just because it was losing so much money. And, you know, if you anger half the country, it's not a good thing to own a large hotel like that. His other hotels are largely licensing deals. So it's not as much of a problem for him, although it would be a problem for the people who paid to put his name on their hotels. One of the reasons that you see his name coming off of a lot of buildings. But the big change is, of course, now he has this social media company. And social media businesses might be one of the few types of businesses that actually benefit from divisiveness. So if Donald Trump is a controversial character who is on true social all the time, People are going to want to go see what's on Truth Social. That's going to attract eyeballs. Eyeballs are going to attract advertisers. That might actually increase the value of that business and ultimately benefit him. So he is in a little bit of a different position now where his business may actually benefit from a presidential run, whereas in the past it's hurt him. Sounds like you've got more digging and a lot more documents to look at. The gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely. Lots to look at always. Great. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Diane.